And a welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our dear friends at Homefield Apparel. I am your host, Matt Brown. I'm the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. I'm joined here by my colleague, Brian Fisher. And uh, it is a, a, a sunny day here in, in late January. Brian, how, how are you holding up these days? Oh, sunny day in Chicago. That is uh, I I that is worth uh, re- remarking upon. Yeah, no, doing well. Uh, fun weekend of, of NFL football. Had, had a lot of soccer action as well. So uh, rested up a little bit after uh, getting back from the NCAA convention, taking a little, I, I think I took about 12 hours off where I, I just did not uh, do any kind of work whatsoever. Good. It was, it was nice and lovely. Uh, the kids are running around. So yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it was a productive weekend for sure. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. We all we all need to do that more often. Like I, I had a, a small surgery on Thursday, and like the doctor's orders were like you have to lie down for like three days. Like don't run around with your kids. Don't go exercise. Like just literally stay on the couch. And I thought that would be a blessing because deep down that's all I really want to do. But it wasn't until a doctor told me I couldn't do it that I'm like, no. Now I do want to get up. Now I do want to participate in things because like that's fun for like two hours. But the rest of the world doesn't listen to you even if what you want to do is is nothing um even though we may want to do a little bit less there's still other stuff happening and there were i i think a couple of things that either maybe we either missed because of convention or haven't had a chance to fully digest that i i do want to talk to you about that fit right in the going for two wheelhouse um i wrote about one of these bills last week and judging from my analytics not very many of you people got a chance to see it yet because I understand this isn't the thing that people want to talk about. This year is going to be a year where the NCAA's battle and or ability to kind of win relationships with the federal level is going to be a major storyline. We are going to talk about those conversations a lot on this show and a lot across D1 Ticker. But those aren't the only legislative conversations happening. It, you know, Over the last year and a half, a major battlefield for college sports was at the statehouse level, everybody writing their own NIL bills and tweaking things and trying to get an advantage over each other. And there seems to be maybe some movement that that could be happening again. If you missed this before, last week, uh, a, uh, a California assembly member, Chris Holden, who's a Democrat from the Pasadena area, called a press conference to announce a bill that he is proposing called the California, the College Athlete Protection Act or in the, uh, the staid language of extra points, we'll call it that Assembly Bill 252. Um, California, as you may recall, was the first state to, to get moving on an NIL bill. And, and, and you know, it, it's interesting, like that NIL bill in California ended up not being nearly the most expansive. Uh, you know, Florida got theirs done and, and kind of moved things along a little bit faster and other states kind of moved on from there. But California was the first to really kind of push that envelope and extend that conversation. There are lawmakers and activists that are hoping that California could do the same for other aspects here. The, the This bill, in short, if I'm understanding it correctly, is going to require every Division One institution in the state, whether you're public or private, to establish something called a degree completion fund, which basically means you have to split some of your revenue above a certain point with your athletes depending on the the revenue that each particular sport graduates. And there's a a formula laid out in the bill and a couple other outlets did some math. And that would mean that, you know, if this is passed exactly as it looks right now, California public school, I mean, the the big P5 schools in California would need need to be paying out to football and men's basketball players over $150,000 a year, in some cases closer to three. 
and then paying limited stipends to women's basketball players and potentially even gymnasts uh, from that top line revenue. Uh, I wrote a lot about this here and I'm happy, you know, I read the whole bill. I read all the, all the other coverages here and I, I have a couple of thoughts, but I was curious what you thought about this. I mean, I, I, independent of whether you athletes hey, should be paid or whatnot, what did you think about this bill and the kind of surrounding uh, press, you know, press conferences and everything around it? I mean, kind of what you you alluded to, it, it's not necessarily this bill or the, the text of this bill that, that I think is interesting. It's kind of like, what are those second order effects, you know, that, that come out of this? Are, are other states going to copy it? Are there's going to be, you know, a, certainly a national legislation push that we, we've talked about quite a bit uh, here on Going for Two and, and a lot of other platforms in terms of does this kind of prompt Congress to, to take a look at things and maybe speed up their thinking about potential, uh, you know, exceptions. But uh, as far as the bill itself, I, I mean, it was interesting, I guess, you know, I, I guess notable in terms of the timing. Uh, you know, it was a, a big rollout there in front of the Rose Bowl, as, as you mentioned. But, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I thought it was kind of it's kind of filled with a, a few exceptions that probably uh, put a dent in terms of how much, you know, actual actual bite it has in, in terms of the law. I, I mean, I, I would question a little bit things like, you know, there's a $25,000 per year cap for people that are actually in school. Um, you know, like, well, why is yeah. there $25,000? Why is there a cap, you know, at all? Why are you? You know, schools just paying this out, um, but but I think it does speak to number one. You know, really how much how much the revenues in those bigger big time sports. You know, I, I think that is kind of the next frontier that not only the schools are, are looking at uh, potentially coming under under siege, but uh, certainly the lawmakers are. And, and this might be kind of the start of of that. You know, that front for sure. You know, I think we've we've looked at name, image, and likeness. There's you know still still some stuff going on in, on that front, but uh, this is really where the the, the, big, the big time revenues, the, the ones that really are kind of funding uh, not just the athletic departments, but really a lot. Lot of those Olympic sports as well, um, you know that that's the kind of the next frontier in terms of this this battle between uh, employees, non employees, schools, non in schools, uh, private, public, all, all that sort of kind of thrown into one bucket. Um, you know that that's that's the biggest uh, slice of the pie, and uh, I think that uh, that might pique a lot more interest for for a lot of folks moving forward. It's not an accident that they want to you know they being you know the, this particular assembly person and, and many of the activists that are, are pushing for this i don't think it's an accident that's happening in california and it's happening right now because california institutions in particular and specifically usc and ucla are about to at, earn a lot of new revenue not just from joining the big 10 and being a part of, of their next television contract but also with the expansion of the college football playoff both of those things set to happen in 20 excuse me 2024 if you get this done early, those athletes might be in a position to more to immediately take advantage of that financial windfall in a way that they might not otherwise if we did this this year or a couple of years in, in the future. I, I will say, having gotten in the weeds and read the whole 30-something page bill, I'm not very impressed, even though I am sympathetic to what they're trying to do. Yes, if you are a high-level football player at USC, in my estimation, the most honest thing to do is for the school to pay you. The school is is driving the value from you. The school has control over you. The school does a lot of things that are aligned with employment, something that this bill curiously does not take a position on. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I would rather USC cut that check rather than Boulevard or Will Ferrell or, or somebody else. Um, part of the reason, though, that I'm unimpressed with this, and it does speak to what's going to be a challenge for anybody to pay athletes, is this idea of how do you how, how are we doing the accounting? Who's, who's checking the math? What is, you know, what, what constitutes excess revenue? 
it's really difficult to look at the EADA data, which goes to the Department of Education or these FRS reports, which go to the NCAA and read them like a bank statement and say, you took in this much revenue. These were your expenses. Ergo, this is your, this is your profit. Because they're, you know, right now they're, everything's operating on nonprofit system accounting. And a lot of the both revenues and expenses you see on those reports are not real in the sense that they're not like somebody cutting a check to a third party or someone writing a check to you. A lot of it is paper uh, transactions across different departments. So if you just use this data, it is extremely easy. And this is not just my opinion. This is from talking to like CPAs. It's very easy for any department to uh, say magically my basketball program didn't make any money. Um, or, or magically we're showing a $9 million surplus, depending on how you, how you calculate scholarships and what expenses go to central campus and which ones go elsewhere. So I think absent anything else, what you would see is some extremely creative accounting from every single California public school to make sure that people are paying as little of this money as possible. And I'm like, well, we established this new commission to regulate that stuff. Like if that commission is not 21 lawyers, or accountants that have that know this industry really well, it's not going to work. And this is the challenge with regulating any industry when the industry people are three steps ahead of the actual regulators. And I know I don't know the answer to that either, but like that's a big issue. Well, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and and just in general, and not not even talking about this this bill. I mean, I, I think creative accounting is, is something that is not only practiced well in the sports world, but practiced well, especially in, in college athletics. I, I mean, how many times do you see, oh, magically one, you know, a, a school or a department, especially on those FRS reports, you know, ends up, you know, breaking even or, or you know, has, you know, $100,000 surplus or something like that. You know, like, uh, you know, it, it kind of strains uh, certainly the, the credibility of, of a lot of this accounting. And, you know, some of it is, you know, you, you send some school money back to the school, the school sends you some money, you know, you, you get creative uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. And uh, that's I think that is an ultimate truth, and along with those billable hours that uh, uh, college athletics always loves. You know, creative accounting is is also kind of part of this, and, and this is not just necessarily limited to to the necessarily the uh, college athletic world. I mean, this this applies in general in, in the sports world. You, you look yeah. over at Syria right now, a, a big scandal going on there in terms of the accounting practices of Juventus and a couple of other clubs that uh, is, is kind of uh, taking that uh, soccer world by storm right now with some, some sanctions and all that. So there's this this stuff kind of happens a, a lot, and, and it's not just limited to college athletics. And so, um, you know, that was the, the, the biggest hole, certainly, in, in the bill. When I was going through it, was like, all right, well, I, I know somebody's going to get even more creative. You know, magically, there's going to be some you know, forward maintenance costs that are being accounted for yeah. in certain programs, you know, that, uh, you know, or, or deferred payments end up, uh, you know, getting pushed forward or something like that. Um, you know, that that creativeness in, in terms of the accounting is, is probably something that we could could explore a little bit further, uh, maybe on, a, on an episode later this this spring or the summer. But um, it, it, it is a fact, fact of life. And, and, you know, should this get kind of pushed through, which, you know, was, was also the interesting thing is, you know, look, this, this district, I, I don't believe has a division one uh, program, you know, in, in, in that uh, congressman's district. And, you know, I, I think when you look at uh, the NCAA kind of be a little bit more offensive in terms of, um, you know, their, their messaging and, and what they want to say, it's going to be interesting too, kind of seeing what, what USC, UCLA, some of these other schools and, and not even just the, the major ones, your, your, your Cal straight Northridges, your, your, um, you know, your, your Stanford's, your Cal's, others might get involved in terms of pushing their own local uh, congressmen and say, you know what, we, we don't, we don't want this bill. Um, are, are you going to be representing our, our district in our interest and say, Hey, we, we need to push this back and, and uh, push this out of, uh, kind of the, the process, because uh, that that to me is, is going to be an interesting thing to see. Is this going to be a test case in particular for some of the schools kind of fighting back a little bit harder against some of these regulations and some of these these bills and proposals? 
I mean, that is exactly what happened in California last year. Like this isn't the first time someone's proposed one of these. Um, the university, the UC and the CSU system pushed back very aggressively. And that was part of why the bill died in the Appropriations Committee. And so now I think it's not, it's worth noting that the, this gentleman is, I believe, the chair of the of the Appropriations Committee and also a former Division One basketball player, uh, played at San Diego State. Uh, so presumably that would help kind of usher this along. But without question, that's part of why a lot of the federal NIL legislation died, because universities were lobbying their home state senators a lot about why we don't want this or we don't want it to look a certain way. And that will be a part of this year, too. However, you don't necessarily need to pass a bill for it to be effective at some other things. Uh, there, there, I mean, you don't need to, to be a political science major to understand, I think, the concept of a signaling bill where you're, you're proposed something and you get a news cycle out of it and you, you get this into the earworm of your, of your colleagues in the statehouse to maybe change the Overton window about what might be ex- acceptable things to ask for in this kind of debate or to maybe apply pressure on some other stakeholder. So that I think that is part of the genius of what worked really well with California's NIL pitch beforehand was – you know, even it was as it was you know, originally signed and everything, it wouldn't have gone into effect for a couple of years. And I don't even it, think it would have uh, – the original uh, date probably would have been I, – I think it was next year actually. Yeah. So, it, 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 it would have had time. You know? it, it, it wouldn't even been a thing. But that changed lawmaker attention in several other states. And eventually, I, I think it was particularly crucial that Florida was one of the early adopters where then Republicans – were the ones that really kind of took up that mantle and, and changed everything and kept this from being a crazy left-wing California political issue to we need to do this in part to help the SC, our teams in the SEC and the ACC. And then that became a national thing. If theoretically somebody in, say, Florida or North Carolina or Texas carried this banner too, I think that changes the dynamic of this issue in state houses and in the federal government very significantly. If the other states that do this are Connecticut, Washington, and like Maine, less so. Still potentially noteworthy. Um, what what impact this like this exact proposal will have in Congress? Like I don't know yet. I, I actually I called a couple of congressmen uh, late last week. It's on my agenda to call a few more this week. I'm trying to get a cross section of both Republicans and Democrats from different kinds of districts to in the House to, to know hear what they're thinking about this because my read is most of them haven't thought about it. That's what a few congressional staffers have told me. They're like, you're asking about what? That's not Ukraine. Like, I, yeah, I know, but that's that's what people pay me to ask. So, you know, we'll, we'll share that. It's not the only kind of messaging bill that's happening at the state level. I, I also wanted to note, while all of this is happening, to maybe push college sports in a much more expansive direction, we also have a, a state that is moving, uh, that is trying to go maybe the opposite direction. There is an NIL bill in the state of Oklahoma, one of the most reliably Republican and conservative states in the country. Uh, This is from from On3's reporting. Uh, One of their Oklahoma state senators, uh, who is the majority leader in the chamber, has proposed a revision to their NIL bill, one, to allow schools to be much more involved in that process, which is the direction most southeastern states are going. If you're moving into the SEC, you want to probably move into uh, to be lined up with your peer states, but also to specifically mention that college athletes in Oklahoma would not be considered employees. Um, I believe this is the third state that actually has that in there. I don't think it's an accident that Oklahoma is trying to put that in. I would not be shocked if more right-leaning states that still have NIL laws on the books or considering revisions to those laws consider putting that in there. Now, can Oklahoma's state senate 
prevent Oklahoma athletes from being deemed employees if the federal court system or Congress or the NLRB says that they are? No. Like it's not it's not your choice. Like <laughs> that's not something that's that's up to state capitals, but people do this all the time to show how, you know, what the what that constituency feels about that issue. I bet if you were a US House member in Oklahoma, as if there was any doubt what your how your constituents feel about college athletes and organized labor, perhaps this is another signaling device to let you know how you should be voting. Yeah, and I think I think again, you know, who who else is going to copy this? You know, who who else is going to continue to keep pushing these boundaries? You can go even further than than what this bill uh, even is proposing, and, and it's going to be interesting too in terms of uh, again, does this kind of start start getting things going in in, in the actual Congress in in the U.S. Congress to say, you know what? Maybe because all of these states are, are doing this all at the same time, maybe maybe it does take a little bit more to where we, we got to get it in this session or, you know, we got to get it done by by this summer in terms of, uh, you know, potential bill. This is something that you know, Linda Livingstone, the uh, Baylor president, has, has spoken about, uh, you know, certainly Charlie Baker, the new NCAA president. Uh, they're they're going to have to all address in terms of uh, everything that they are going to be doing and and uh, addressing with with the, the leaders in Washington. But, um, you know, this 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 whole thing about labor and college athletics and all that, number one, it. Not as not only is it an uncertain area, but like th- there's a lot to explore here, and and I think that's why something is ultimately going to happen, you know, at some point on some front in in 2023. But also that um, you know this is going to a very complicated issue, and and how it's going to play out not only this year but but moving forward, I, I think it's going to be something that is certainly in flux, and you're going to see a lot more of these type of bills pop up in in various state houses. I, I can imagine certainly you know North uh, North Carolina, uh, maybe a Florida, somebody like that uh, ends up putting putting something in similar, and I, I think it just kind of speaks to how haphazard everything is and really that's the biggest challenge that uh you know charlie baker is going to have to have is um making sure that the message is consistent consistent uh yeah. whether you're you're speaking against you know oklahoma or the california bill in terms of hey we look this is this is why this is why we need to do this and we need to do this now yeah i i can speak to this but before before we kind of wrap this up i know what the what the timing is here to get a bipartisan college sports bill done um it's going to be incumbent upon the NCAA and lawmakers to move very quickly. This is not something that realistically can really stretch into late next year in part because um, next year is a presidential cycle, which means that typically the last six months of that session, um, there's not going to be any lawmaking done. Uh, that's you, you generally have a, a shorter window uh, in, in those kind of cycles to, to get any kind of bipartisan activity. And also major court cases and the NLRB, are going to start, I mean, they're going to start hearings relatively soon. By 2024, you may run out of time. Uh, It's it's entirely possible that the appeals process for Johnson will be exhausted by 2024. We will have a, likely has close to a final NLRB ruling by 2024. The House case will begin to, uh, I mean, we're going to see pretrial, you know, filings this year. Like, I believe that 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 trial starts that and it's the house case in case you didn't know this is for athletes who are suing the NCAA over damages for when they were denied access to their NIL rights um and now that it's allowed they want back pay um all of those things could independently be very significant all three of them is a death blow you need the federal government you need the legislative arm to do something before that stuff happens or else it's already doomsday so I, I, realistically, I think that the window here is like you got eight months, practically speaking, because, you know, Congress isn't in session the entire time otherwise. Um, 
to, to get everybody on the same page to make this happen. Eight, maybe nine months. Um, and we'll see what happens at the state house level too. One thing that I know is much easier uh, to do than get some kind of complicated bipartisan legislation passed, something that touches antitrust law, intellectual property law, labor law, um, people's emotional babies, all these other things. That's very difficult. One thing is much easier is buying cool stuff on homefieldapparel.com. If you Listen through a 20-minute segment about antitrust law and state house legislating. You deserve to treat yourself. And one way you can do that is through an exceptionally comfortable shirt, a hoodie, a tank top, or sweatpants from our friends at Home Field Apparel, who make some of the most comfortable, officially licensed collegiate apparel with unique vintage designs. This is an especially good week. We are recording this here a little bit earlier to get on this because they are dropping some special limited editions. Uh, you need to make sure that you are on their email listserv. I mean, you should be for extra points, but you should definitely be on the home field one as well. If you're interested in any of this, as we are recording, they have a special drop for Yukon. Um, I am a big fan of the Yukon Doggers. They are the most comfortable pants that I've worn as I've been uh, you know, on the couch a lot these past couple of days. Those have been what I'm wearing, but they have some absolutely outstanding uh, uh, long sleeve shirts here with, with the baby husky in front of the, the – um, the state of Connecticut. You've got the husky with the gun. You've got the 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 dog that's the, with the paws outstretched and everything sticker. You should buy all of those things. You should. Not, I mean, if you're not a UConn, if you're a Syracuse fan or something, I'm sure there's something there for you or a UMass fan. But if you're, uh, well, there is a special drop yeah. uh, for Syracuse coming out. There, there, there is. So, so other people that don't like UConn can also have things available for them too. Uh, and I'm also continuously told. That other mid majors and other one AAA schools, potentially some Division two schools, are coming soon as well. There was a bit of a, a backlog, I think, during football season for for getting for launching some of those. As we get closer to the end of the NCAA tournaments, naturally, uh, those things will be available. So, go to homefieldapparel.com. Make sure that you're signed up to the listserv, and then buy something. And when you do, use promo code extra points, all one word, if you haven't done it yet, and save 15% off your first order. Um, that first order could also include an extra point shirt. They still got a couple of those left in in, in most sizes um, uh, with with, uh, with our with our, uh, our our wonderful Bagman logo. That is extra. Blah, blah, blah. That is homefieldapparel.com. Uh, promo code extra points. Um, it's pretty easy to drop a bag. With home field, it's pretty easy to drop a bag when you're buying most things online. But Brian, I think one thing that we've learned over the past week and a half, two weeks or so, is that sometimes it can be a little bit complicated to spend a lot of money in the college sports world. There's been a an NIL story that I know I've been paying a lot of extra attention to, and I think it's it's been it's been uh, on your radar as well. That really kind of demonstrates for all of the improvements of this system compared to where we were a few years ago, it is also still deeply, deeply stupid. Um, you, know, you know the one I'm talking about, right? I believe you're talking referring to the Jaden Rashada uh, saga. Uh, is that the appropriate term that we, we've used? Uh, yes. Um, I can do this if you'd like, but would you, would you like to maybe give the, the people who have not, who are not recruitniks a very quick synopsis of of where we are right now in this story, and then maybe we can get into the weeds in there a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, four or five star recruit, depending on you know who, who you talk about. Uh, quarterback outside from from the West Coast, actually, you know, and kind of got into a bit of a recruiting battle from you know between Miami and Florida, which you know, obviously, there was a lot of you know people saying, all right, he was you know eventually going to go to Miami, that was going to be the thing. Then he ends up surprising some folks, ended up signing with Florida, he signed his national letter of intent. Uh, kind of came out later that uh, he signed a big NIL deal. There's been uh, certainly some. Uh, reports and, and discussions that that was uh, verging upon, uh, I guess, $13 million, uh, which was kind of, I guess, not just a, a one, one up no, payment. Or that, anything. That's <laughs> over the value of the entire collegiate career, not and, just. And, and, and as our, uh, uh, our good friend, uh, Troy Dannon, uh, the, the AD at uh, Tulane uh, re- remarked to us at, uh, at the um, NCAA convention in, in a video we, we put up on, on connect, you know, a lot of those figures, they're all lies. So, uh, you know, just take, take some of the numbers that necessarily with a bit of a grain of salt, but, you know, certainly over the course of the deal, if you certain hit, hit certain targets, maybe you're, you, you end up winning, winning the Heisman, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe you can have, uh, you know, quite, quite a hefty NIL deal from, from one of those uh, Florida collectives, but, uh, essentially, it kind of came out that uh, you know Florida promised a few things that uh, maybe they they shouldn't have, and they they didn't kind of have the backing that they they certainly did, and so uh, eventually that got got back to Rashada that he was he was not going to get what he was promised, and uh, you know go back and forth, and uh, eventually he's he's let out of his NLI, and uh, you know he's he's kind of a uh, a bit of a free agent uh, here before the uh, the second signing period, uh, going into uh, what remar- what is probably the the test case in terms of here is what can go wrong in NIL, especially when two schools want to battle over a recruit. And uh, you know what? Maybe it might turn into a bit of a booster. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, what what would be the appropriate word here for uh, for for the audience that uh, might be listening in, t- in the cars with uh, kids. Cause like, yeah, because the, the only manhood measuring yeah, contest. sure. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that, that sure. does seem like that is uh, certainly at play here, uh, involving a, a few folks from Miami and Florida. There. Let me try to flesh this out with a couple of details because I have since I you know we we heard about this from the at the NCAA convention. I tried to talk to a couple of people uh, involved in the legal community and involved in Florida recruiting and, and this kind of space. So for one, you are right. You should. Re- uh, be very skeptical of very big numbers that are thrown around in recruiting. However, in this case, multiple people that I trust very much about this issue have said, actually, the $13 million number is accurate. Um, and I, I think I think Edgar Thompson of the or Orlando Sentinel even was like the first person to throw that out. It was, I think, a little bit more than 13, like 13.7 or something over a four-year period, which, to be fair, is significantly more than any other reported deal um, including for prospects that are higher regarded than this gentleman. The 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 uh, rumored numbers around his initial commitment to Miami, substantially smaller than this. And part of the reason, as best as I can tell, this is a, a I'm not, oh, I, I want to use like, this is very, this is a very educated guess because if, it, if I knew everything absolutely stone cold, I'd, I'd, I'd write it in extra points. And, and this is the kind of story that it's hard, it's hard to do that. Um, that's that's way over market. And part of that, I am told, is because some of the individuals involved with Florida's NIL um, big budget worlds were motivated less by the quality of the athlete. And you're right, more about spiting a very one or two big money people at Miami. And also maybe um, the representation on all sides uh, involved here was not the best legal or marketing representation money can buy. Talked about this a lot in the NIL world. Sometimes agents are NFLPA certified and have years and years of experience for major firms and contract negotiations. Sometimes they're 22 
or 19 or uh, somebody in AAU basketball who's not who's not an attorney. So th- so there, there were there were some other individuals here. Um, but yes, Florida, it would appear, wrote a check they couldn't cash. And this is significant for a couple of big reasons here. Number one, if you are involved with Florida's football program right now, you have got to be pissed. Oh, they not are. Just, no, I, I, just, I, 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 I from that. I, right. And it's you're, you're pissed, not just because you lost a quarterback. Um, and, 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 and but you're, you're pissed because now it's in the paper. And this is now the market has been set. I'm making you know, finger quotes here for what a high level quarterback is. So if you're going into the into the try to find a 2024 guy that, you know, who's a high four star, five star guy, they're going to they're going to ask for that kind of money. And they're going to ask for why your, your people don't believe in me like they believed in Jaden, because they, they did offer him that much until they figured out they didn't have that much in the in the checking account. And and furthermore. Anybody else who's of a similar profile is going to ask for those numbers for those other schools. So even though like that's not the real number, the real number for I mean for per year is probably closer to between five hundred and one point one million for like a you know somebody who's not Arch, um, but like that's going to be a gigantic headache for coaches everywhere because that's an enormous amount of misinformation and recruiting services and message boards and some less scrupulous agents are going to are going to push that world a little bit more. That's a problem. You also now have the problem where it's going to be very easy to negative recruit against Florida because they wrote a check they couldn't cash. And not only that, how can I say this in a way that's not going to get me in trouble? The one dirty little secret about this industry right now is not everybody who is associated at the head of a major NIL collective is a very reputable business person. Um, is somebody that knows anything about compliance, that knows anything about sustainable development. They are the kinds of people that you might not otherwise want your athletes to be around, or at least do not trust very well, that, that, that have lots of reasons to be concerned about their long-term behavior. We can, I think we can leave it at that without, without me getting in trouble. And so if you're a parent or assistant coach you're recruiting in Florida, it's also like if you knew there were some bad news dudes involved with some of these collectives or that they're a joke or they're not organized – like, why are you promoting them as an athletic department? Why aren't you like publicly burning these guys uh, immediately in, in every publication and in every internal communication? What, what's what's going on with your department? Florida's not the only school, by the way, that that's grappling with this question right now. This is also something my dear old alma mater is having to, is is having to deal with, and I could think of a couple other programs where where uh, the behavior and the conduct and and the 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 qualifications of the head collective guy are an open question. Uh, and and, and the school, you're wondering how to extract yourself from it. It's an issue because if your AD sucks, you can fire him. If your coach sucks, you can fire him. You can't fire the biggest booster. It's much harder because the school, you know, kind of doesn't really have a relationship with these guys. So if the person running your group's bad news, the only only entity that can oust them would be like a booster led revolt. And that, we're not really good at doing that kind of thing right now. So I look at all of this as as a bummer for everybody because. Rashada sure as hell isn't going to get $13 million from anybody. Um, he's a very good quarterback. He's not from the people I've talked to who like no ball. He's not seen as a generational prospect and it's not somebody that's likely to start from day one. He's, he's going to have to gain 15, 20 pounds. You know, he's six foot four. He's a lot thinner than I am. I mean, he's, you know, and that there's, there's a weight room issue. Um, but also with a guy that with a nine, seven recruiting profile, that person could be Caleb Williams, who won a Heisman Trophy, or he could be somebody who transfers to UNLV in a year and a half. Like, you know, there's there's a huge range 
for high four-star guys. Um, now he's got to go find a new school. After the first signing period's mostly done, most Power Five schools have signed a quarterback. Um, or and, and the, the the caliber of schools are looking at that now. It's a big step down from Florida. So maybe you try to make that up on that proverbial second contract. But like in the short term, it's easy to see how this didn't work out super well for him. It hurts Florida. It hurts anybody recruiting quarterbacks now in, in the marketplace. It's just, to me, I look at this whole thing as proof of there's a lot of things wrong with this system. And, and now nobody really benefited except for a couple of people that wanted to make Miami or Florida boosters look bad with a lot of collateral damage. Yeah, and the, the great irony, too, that, uh, you know, Linda Teeler, who is uh, one, one of the high-ranking officials there at Florida's Athletic Department, uh, is, is the D1 Council Chair, been heavily involved in terms of NIL legislation at the, at the NCAA level. And then this this all happens. I, I know Scott Strickland, I, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if they, they put out a, a formal statement or not, but, you know, the, the folks at Florida, uh, from the Athletic Department to the coaching staff, they, they're extremely, uh, you know, not happy about this, this whole situation. No, yeah, Florida hasn't put out an official statement yet, but, like, I... I know they're mad. <laughs> like it's no, they, is- they, and 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 really, they they have all have a right to be you know very upset about everything that has going on, and I think this kind of speaks to you know kind of that because of that line is there, um, you know, in terms of both state law and uh, in in terms of the NCAA legislation right now, it's just it, it is difficult for these athletic departments to navigate this because you know to your to your earlier point, they don't want to piss off the boosters. They they really don't. Not only do they they need their money for you know ticket revenue and uh, those seat donations and and to keep them in the in the good graces of their department for uh, revenue opportunities, they know that. In terms of acquiring talent, especially in a very competitive SEC on this front, you know they're, they're going to need their money and they're going to need them to to continue to in, invest in, in kind of Florida athletics through through NIL and, and these opportunities, and uh, that that makes things difficult. And I, I think it it underscores again that uh, this is so silly that that we continue to do this this way. And maybe that is some one of the great hopes, certainly, that uh, maybe you can start to bring some of this in-house. Maybe this kind of reinforces that uh, a bit eye-opening for those that um, you know d- understand that, hey, the, a lot of these activities, a lot of these barriers that we're putting up, that they really should be run through the athletic department. A little more transparency, uh, you know, a lot more, uh, certainly yeah. things taking things above board and, and, and instead of wish, you know, Husford wished, um, you know, tones and, and all that sort of stuff. Like you, you can actually talk about these things, um, you know, with kids being very upfront in terms of their scholarship offers, in terms of what they're getting, um, you know, in Austin payments, here's, here's your NIL package. Like a, a lot of this stuff I, I think would make, make for even the parents to be a lot more comfortable in terms of, all right, I'm not only am I sending my son to, to go live with you and live on your campus and, and get an education from you. But Hey, here's financially, here, here's what's, what's going to be in it. And I know that because it's a, you know, an, an institution that, you know, their, their kind of word is, is their game, not some kind of shady collective that uh, may or may not have some, some ties here or there or get promoted by the school. So, um, you know, it really speaks to kind of the, the wild, wild West where you still find ourselves in with NIL. And I, I think eventually things will settle down a little bit more. Everybody will kind of, understand the lay of the land just a tad bit more but um you know sto- stories like this you know this is uh not not, not the first time uh, certainly and it won't be the last time but but i think it is a bit eye-opening for, for a lot of administrators out there for a lot of fellow collective uh administrators out there that are saying all right well we, we cannot be caught in, in this type of situation because uh not only is it bad for for florida in terms of their reputation their brand moving forward but i, th- I think it's kind of bad for, for a lot of people beyond the state beyond gainesville in, in particular uh knowing that this this is this could happen to them as well it, especially if y- your donor groups and or the people that, that are running this are not people that you extremely trust. Like there are some of these that are run by ex-compliance people, ex-development people. I've had a, a couple of industry professionals suggest that maybe 
moving forward, if we're going to still have NIL collectives, if, if, if moving towards a professionalized model in some capacity doesn't kneecap most of these things, that in many cases it will make more sense for this either to be an arm of the booster club, which is often a quasi-university employee, or well, I mean, right up, right up the road at uh, Florida State, they used to have Seminole boasters and the and the athletic department separate. You know, they they've kind of remerged now. But yeah, um, you know, if you kind of have a similar setup, but there's an NIL component to kind of the booster organization, that would make a lot of sense. That would make yeah. a lot of sense to a lot of people. And and I think you know we, we've heard some increased discussions about um, you know potentially if some of the NCAA uh, or uh, congressional legislation comes through, maybe there's the third party uh, co- administrator concept comes back in, in some form or fashion. I, I know that's been uh, was was discussed a little bit. Uh, among some of the conversations I had in San Antonio last week. So like there, there's a lot going on in, in this space. And, and I, I would imagine that uh, the the more that every, everybody thought that they wanted to be hands off initially, but once they saw what, what the free market was doing, they were like, Hey, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we need to change our approach just a little bit, a, a little bit. And, and I think somebody in Indianapolis would probably say this kind of situation is exactly the sort of thing we're trying to uh, to limit, to, to, to prevent from happening, but we can't have the legislative, we don't have the administrative framework to do it without Congress. Well, and, um, and keep in mind too that there were some recent changes in terms of the enforcement arm on, on the NIL front as well, and so I think that could end up coming into play uh, not only with Florida but but a number of schools. We, we've heard uh, John Duncan, the, the VP of Enforcement, say that they they do have cases in the pipeline. They are investigating a lot of stuff. Uh, some you know several NCAA enforcement staff have spent some time down in, in in the state of Florida, not not just focused on this deal certainly, but uh, you know others. And, and so they're they're going to be NIL cases, and because of the changes, you know a lot of these athletic departments are going to be on the hook. For this, you know, whether the, whether they had some, you know, any any, any kind of inkling or, or uh, had any kind of involvement at all, uh, depending on their state laws, depending on things, you know, what they're, they're still going to be on the hook for see, some of these potential violations. And I think that's important to keep in mind: is if things were promised in a, in a pay for play situation, that more than anything is, is got to be the worrisome thing for uh, those at Florida and beyond, because now you're talking about not just uh, your reputation getting damaged uh, amongst recruits and going forward. Now you're actually talking about, oh, man, we might get some scholarships taken away. We, we might get some some uh, head coach responsibility violations where you're missing a game or two could impact assistance. So like there's, there's a lot of coming out of not just this case, but I think other NIL cases over the next coming say six months or so that, that are going to be a, a bit eye opening for, for a lot of folks around there that you kind of got say, Hey, maybe, maybe we need to change our tact just a little bit because this is this, this sort of thing is not good for anybody, uh, much less this, this program in particular. No, the last thing anybody wants, except for a nosy drama fueled person like me, would be for litigation to occur between an athlete and a collective that goes into discovery. Uh, and the second that suddenly a whole bunch of emails and burner text messages and things have to go to a court and we get our hands on those, um, that would be bad for a lot of people, especially if that sort of thing happened in the SEC, where maybe those conversations have a little bit more of an edge than they might in the big sky. Um so we'll see, right? Like I, I, I look at these are these are similar things here that I think have the capacity to to shape what happens this off season in a meaningful way. This is is this the wake up call to change how money is being distributed or accounted for for other major organizations? Is is this a wake up call for other state houses? A wake up call for what happens within the the federal government? It probably should be, but. We can't exactly predict the future. Like what, what I can tell you is that I'm going to be calling as many lawmakers as I can. If you are a lawmaker and you're listening to this show, my email is compliance at extrapointsmb.com. You, ne- you never know. There are a couple of state lawmakers that, uh, that, that read extra points. So maybe. 
Um, but I, I, I will be bugging you and uh, I will be continuing to bug people in the NIL collective world uh, to, to learn about some, how some of these operational changes are happening. We got a bunch of other stuff at Collegiate Sports Connect that you may have missed. Cannot recommend you sign up for this enough, not just because that helps ensure that Brian and I have jobs. So much of the video content that we produced over the convention, a ton of content, and, and I'm trying to get some more of this into extra points this week. You can find it there. Interviews with a ton of athletic directors, with Linda Livingstone, with the head of NCAA compliance, with the head of the medical arm of the NCAA. All you, know, you can find all of that there for free. CollegiateSportsConnect.com. And of course, this show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. If you enjoy it, give it a Georgia recruiting class ranking, five stars. Uh, to demonstrate to our bosses and also to the algorithm at large that this is a, a show worth spending some time with. Did I get everything, Brian? Yeah, I think so. And uh, just re- reaffirming that, uh, you know, signing up for, for Collegiate Sports Connect, not only a great place uh, in terms of uh, lo- listening to all of our co- great content, we'll have uh, interviews with all, all the vice presidents of D1, D2, D3 as well uh, up this week. And so a lot of uh, NCAA convention coverage, a lot of state of the industry type of type of uh, conversations with uh, key ADs, a lot of commissioners as, as well that we uh, caught up with there in, in San Antonio. But um, great, great thing if you, you want to tell, you know, uh, maybe somebody that, uh, you know, is coming out of college and, and wanting to get into sports world it's it, it's a great way to uh, find a lot of jobs uh, get you know be able to get searched and, and find those entry level positions as well uh, as, as much more senior level positions so uh, not only a great uh, great tool in terms of kind of career development and uh, keeping up with the, with the latest but uh, it can also help you in terms of uh, your actual job so uh, be sure to sign up for collegiate sports connect and it's all free just like it's, this podcast. it's all free and just like most of extra points uh, which you can find at extrapointsmb.com i would prefer it if you paid for the whole thing because that pays for a lot of this stuff. We just bought new headphones with that sweet extra points money. Um, be sure to subscribe there too. We will be in touch with some more uh, over the coming couple of days on all of those platforms. Thanks for listening. Don't get in any crew trouble and we'll be in touch with y'all soon.